You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyot, and Justin Bakke. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. About five technical difficulties later, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bakke. Hopefully, here with you for an entire show uh, tonight, barring any more audio issues. Uh, that said in advance, do apologize. My voice probably sounds like garbage. One, because I'm sick, and two, because my mic broke, and you are getting my raw audio right through my MacBook Air microphone, which is dog water. Um, so apologies in advance for that. Hopefully, uh, Zeke and Justin will sound much better than I. Uh, lots to get to tonight with the Wild. Obviously, the big topics tonight will be the firing of Dean Evison, the hiring of John Hines. We'll also go through a little bit on the prospects and talk about the potential outlook uh, of the team going forward. But before we get into all that, let's check in, as we always do with our friends. We'll start over at the dad himself, Justin Bakke. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I can't help but laugh. We've been trying to do this for like 45 minutes. If you guys really could like see a video of what we've gone through to get the show going, you'd laugh too. And he's not exaggerating. But... Justin and I signed on at 8.15. It's currently 9.01. <laughs> uh, anyways, I'm doing good. Just uh, a lot going on right now. As you know, it's you know my kids' hockey season, so that takes up a lot of my weekends. And then uh, you know just a lot of work and family life. So uh, that's kind of just it right now. Things are good and looking forward to and the good news is Christmas and New Year's are coming up, so it's only going to get busier. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, my kid will be on Christmas break for two weeks, and I'll, you know, things are just going to continue to keep on rolling. <laughs> what about you, Zeke? I'm uh, doing pretty good, although, I, you know, I wouldn't say that I sound great uh, regardless anyways, but uh, <laughs> stumbling through the ums and the hymns. But otherwise, yeah, doing I mean, the audio quality is good, better than mine. Well, yeah, I, I, I well, hear the arms better. Yeah. I unplugged the mic that we've been fiddling with for an hour and just use the computer. So oh, we got a double that. computer mic, so we're gonna sound like we're recording on the yeah. back seat of a, like well. a 1990 Toyota Corolla. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm gonna sound okay. When we first started, remember we first started recording this podcast, I had to use my phone. Yeah, it's I, gonna be like, oh yeah, yeah. like the opposite now. <laughs> full circle. So maybe yeah. some uh, upgrades to the audio equipment. If you're a big fan of the show and want to sponsor audio equipment upgrades, feel free. Uh, <laughs> no, that can be you, Blue. Like, yeah. so if you want, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, well, let's start as we always do. We'll, we'll dive right in here. Uh, you know, in the event because we you know, for all I know, my computer's gonna blow up in the next ten minutes. The way this is gone. <laughs> um, but we'll start before we get into kind of the big news. Um, you know, because it's been a month. Um, you can always follow the prospects page, but always good to kind of get the deep dive. Um, and there's, you know, there, there's some exciting news around the prospects. So we'll, we'll start the good news, move into a little bit of bad news, and maybe hopefully end in a little bit of good news. That'll be, we'll make a little uh, Minnesota Wild podcast sandwich tonight. Yeah, I'll start with the bad news with the prospects. It's Iowa. They've kind of been on a, a kind of a little bit of a, you know, bad stretch here. Lost five in a row. Um, Wallstead has still played good. McIntyre has been good. It's not been the goaltending. They've lost a couple two to one games, uh, three to one games. So it's, 
kind of lack of scoring down there as well. Kind of a tough go. It doesn't help that we've, you know, in the beginning of the year, we had all those guys called up and kind of hard to get their footing down there too. But uh, hopefully that picks up soon. At least Wallstead is playing well, though. Yeah, I think you look at that Iowa team too, and I like. I don't think anyone expected them to be like top no. of the league. You look at how how young that team is, especially like on the blue mm-hmm. line. Like it's basically like Dakota Mermis and then like five or six yeah. first or second year AHL players. So right. that's tough. And he, I mean, whilst that good goalie too, but still a young player. And yeah. It wasn't going to be an easy smooth sailing year for him. No. And we just saw David spot check, get called down to the ECHL. So. Um, that was a little disregard. Yeah. A little bit of growing pains for him. Hopefully he's back up, but, uh, Oh gosh, I'd have to look it up again. I think it's pretty young. Anyways, I'll move on to the KHL. I'll start with Murat, who's Nadinov. He's been playing a lot of top six center. Uh, looked pretty good. Nine points in 20 games so far. Uh, part of that is he was with FKA beginning of the year. Didn't get very many minutes at all, if any. So he's actually have looked pretty decent when he's played. Uh, he was also just named to the Stars and VHL team at the Channel One Cup, which is part of the uh, Russian 25 tournament that they do in December. So it'll be cool to see what he does with that. Um, Vladislav, first off, he's having a good season with Torpedo again. Uh, just scored his 11th goal of the season today. He's up to 21 points in 37 games. Um, who knows what his future is? We say that all the time, but um, maybe there is one with how he's playing. If not, could be a good trade ship. <clears throat> Danilo was a question in Russo's mailbag about him, and basically it sounded like the Wild like attempted to bring him back this summer, uh-huh. and he was like, "If I'm not playing on the Wild, I don't want to come." Like the Minnesota Wild, I don't want to come. Yeah. Over. like he doesn't want to like basically he doesn't want to hmm. earn his stripes. Interesting. I think he wants that like Caprice offer of like, "Oh, you come over, yeah." And, and it's, like it doesn't sound like Billy Garen and crew love that. So, no. you know, as you mentioned, still a prospect. I think the the interesting thing is, you know, will, will a team bite on that and hope that he does have yeah. NHL potential and let him, you know, play it out in the KHL and then bring him over yeah. eventually? Or, you know, does he just kind of become a, you know, a free agent? Maybe one day he makes it back. I don't know. That'll be cool. Yeah, maybe it can be a Jack McBain situation where we get another pick and draft someone that will actually use. Yeah. <laughs> God, I'd have to look. I lose track of all that year to year. Too um, many good draft picks to keep track. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Next up is Daniil Yurov. He's really started to take off this year. Uh, as we know, last year was kind of getting jerked around between the MHL and the KHL, getting no minutes, getting fourth line minutes. It's quite different this season. Um, kind of playing all over the place, but lately he's been the two C. So he's getting a lot of type six minutes lately. He's beautiful center. back. What's that? Playing center. Yes. He played, uh, scored a beautiful backhanded goal last game for the game winning goal of the game. And uh, he's up to 25 points in 32 games. Uh, 0.7 point, 0.78 points a game at that age. Kaprizov was at 0.86. Um, so uh, we just talked before the show too we saw a post that he's kind of seen similarities with Vlad Tarasenko with Byron Bader's you know graphs and stuff which makes you excited but you know 
a lot of time left to see how he does, but good signs with how his season is going, with how he's developing. Uh, we'll move on to the SHL. <clears throat> good news there. Liam Ugren is back playing. Uh, he did sit out last game. I'm guessing they just gave him rest. I know some guys have been sick on the team too, so maybe that's it. But uh, the game before that, he actually scored the game-winning goal for Bargestead. And, uh, yeah, it's just good to see him back on the ice and playing in the lineup instead of sitting here waiting for him to, you know, took him a little bit of time to rehab that injury. So good to see him back. And I'm just going to touch on just a couple players in college hockey. Uh, Jimmy Clark for the Gophers. He's been playing – I think mostly fourth line minutes, but he's kind of really taken off in that role. Um, ended up scoring the game-winning goal last game as well. A lot of game-winning goals, goals lately for our prospects, which is fun to track. But six points in 14 games, but I feel like past few games, is he's really just kind of taken off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rieger Lorenz, he's uh, another player that's taken off in his role with Denver. Um, kind of a little bit of a slow start, but now he's up to 10 points in 14 games, uh, which includes six goals. He's had a couple beautiful ones as well, if you've checked out the highlights. Uh, Ryan Healy has been one of Harvard's best players, defenseman. Um, had a two-goal game recently. I can't remember if one of them was the game-winning goals. I don't think it was, but he's got six points in seven games, and I think he's one of their leading scorers for the team. Yeah, which is great to see because I think we talked about it on the prospect rankings episode. Like, that blue line, was it that blue line that was really deep last year? They had, like, the mm-hmm. whole blue line was, like, drafted. He was like a true freshman defenseman, didn't see a lot of ice time, and we yeah. figured that, you know, a couple of these guys will graduate, move on to the next level, and that he would get, be kind of that next man up. But it's he's getting that right. opportunity, and, and yeah, you know, it's succeeding, so great to see. Yeah, we're kind of seeing that with a couple guys: Healy, uh, Rieger, Lorenz. We saw him with a deep Denver team last year, not get much, and kind of taking his role this year and, and flying with it. So, um, kind of things we hopefully expected, but uh, good to see happening. Uh, we're going to move on to the WHL. Riley Height. Can I has real been... quick, did we talk about Strangle oh, yeah. at all? Uh, I have not yet. He did yeah. score a goal yeah. Um, recently. Yeah, so that, that's been kind of maybe the one, like, I wouldn't say negative, but obviously I think he started the year injured. And then mm-hmm. I think kind of the two, like, the couple things that are concerning me is they're hoping, oh, he'll come back. You know, I think the hope was he could be this bruising, you know, maybe top six middle or, you know, top six, middle six center. Um, you know, maybe thrive in like a Mike Hastings system. Right. And, you know, this Badger team's good. They're, I think at one point, I don't know if they still are, they were number one in the country. Yeah, I think at one point. Three, probably. Um, I haven't looked at the rankings that came out a couple days ago. Um, but I think the concern is, one, he's not even playing the top nine. He's been in on the lineup, mm-hmm. playing on the fourth line. And even worse than that, he's been playing on the wing. Um, I don't think he's been playing center, which, you know, those things are a little bit concerning. And then you look at, you know, the, the pick we were pining for. Um <clears throat> Gabe Perot. Yeah, Gabe Perot, who's just absolutely tearing it up as a freshman and player that we wanted. He was high on our personal board. Mm-hmm. He was there when the Wild picked. Um, and we think he was number one on theirs, too, if what Roosh said is true. Yeah, so. which is – so it was it's weird. It, you know, it was – you know, we, we talked about, you know, in the past what I think has made the Judd Bracket draft successful is picking the best player available. Uh, but even kind of came out and said kind of post-draft is, you know, we felt like we were deep enough where we could draft for need. And that drafting for need, um, you know, not looking great right now, but obviously 19-year-old, you know, 18, 19-year-old kid, mm-hmm. and, you know, second, you know, sophomore in college, coming off mm-hmm. an injury. Don't want to overreact, but, you know, you see slow, you know, not of a great, not as good of a season last year, slow start this year, you know, 
not saying like a red flag, but maybe like a yellow flag point where it's like, all right, yeah. you want to mm-hmm. start to see something. Right. You, know, you know, maybe it's like Boldy where it's kind of that second half breakout potentially, mm-hmm. but definitely something to monitor because he hasn't kind of had that. You know, my hope was there. You know, I, I tried to you know be optimistic, but it's just there hasn't been a lot to like uh, thus far with Strangle. I mean, right, maybe yeah. he's a maybe he's a. I don't know how this works, but with how guys transfer nowadays so much, maybe that's a thing. If he doesn't play at all this year, maybe yeah. go somewhere else. I don't know. Just you know, we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm still hopeful for him, and I'm gonna hold some patience. We see the development development isn't linear type situation that we've seen in the past, but it is concerning to see mm-hmm. kind of where he's been in the lineup. Like you mentioned, Brett. I've been uh, eagerly waiting to post more on him on that prospects page. I was pretty excited to be able to post his first goal, but uh, hopefully that's the start of something more to come. That's just, you know. I just continue to tell myself that uh, Riley Height was the one we took in the first round. And yeah. We about <laughs> yeah, it's all about perspective. <laughs> we got Riley Height in the second. That's like, it's, yeah. It's all good. Right. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Riley Heights, he um, has been on a tear. He just snapped a 16-game point streak. I'm going to blame it on Zemer getting hurt, but no, he, he's he's been unreal, um, just incredible. Second in the WHL in points, he was tied for first until Fergus got an assist last night. So um, really good season up there again with the power play assists. I think he's second in the WHL with power play assists with like 15 um, 44 points in 23 games. He's just a face-off machine, too. Uh, two games ago, he took 32 face-offs, won 22 of them, 68%. Last game, he didn't get a point, like we mentioned, but he took 42 face-offs. And he, it looked like he took a majority of the team's face-offs. He was like 23 or 42. So uh, looking like a, a second-round steal, just unreal, kind of doing everything right now for that team. And he's going to have to with, with his dynamic duel uh, being out Good thing is he's got another guy named uh, – I forgot his first name, but last name is Funk. He's kind of up there in the WHL yeah, on points too. So. Is he draft eligible? No, actually, maybe an overager. But, um, yeah, currently on a 126-point pace. Um, I was looking into this, I think, when you tweeted out some stats the other night. But, like, that pace would put him among, like, I want to say it's, like, five or six skaters since 2000 that have – hit over like 120 points as a U20 player in the dub. Like the other ones were Bedard last year. Um, I think Sam Steele was one of them. There was another player that never really made it. Um, Mark Stone. Like mm-hmm. some pretty high-end name. I mean, yeah. so it, was, it was kind of like a bust or like really high-end, which right. like, you know, and it's, it's easy to say now you watch what he's doing, but um, from what I remember, he had a very good development camp as well, and they were pretty impressed yeah. with what he showed there and basically has carried that right into – the season and it's like and it's not just like you know 44 mickey mouse points i mean these are like no. ridiculous passing plays no. i saw there, there was one a couple weeks ago where he was like in the corner like power moved around a defender and like with his hands like i don't even know how he got the pass with his hands like some weird angle and he threads it through like four defenders right out of the tape of a mm-hmm. guy in the slot handcuffed him a little bit and he kind of like flubbed it hit the goal and the guy batted in the rebound but it's like the fact that he like you know, just thread that pass right on the tape, like, oh my goodness! Like his passing ability is like I heard good things about it in the draft process, but like starting to like see some of these highlights, yeah. there's a lot to be excited for. Like, there's not a lot of you know he's got like Zuccarello type like seeming like passing vision yeah. ability sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's exciting. 
Yeah, I need to catch more of his games, but him, uh, Height, and Yurov have been the two funnest guys to track so far this season. A lot of guys have good seasons, but those two are just kind of like what we're, you know, the guys we're really hoping to make a huge impact with this lineup in the future. Um, I'll finish off with the OHL here. Hunter Haight uh, had six points in the last three games. Um, didn't pick up a point today, but uh, another solid season at Saginaw, 29 points in 23 games. And he's another guy that's winning a, a good amount of face-offs, like 12 of 18, 13 of 18 type numbers. Just cool to see some of these guys, you know, who knows, translates to further levels, but seeing guys finally in the system that are winning face-offs that, at the levels they're at. Um, then last guy I'll talk about, Rasmus Kumpelainen, the other second-round pick from the last draft. Uh, 22 points in 22 games, just a man amongst boys every time I watch him. Made a lot of huge you know, plays, whether it be an assist or a, a, a goal. He's just playing really well in Oshawa. So a lot of a lot of positivity here. I mean, if you know, four out of every five of your picks hit, that's a, that's a pretty good uh, yeah. Right. So mostly good news on the prospect front there. Um, if you do want to stay continuing to be updated on what's going on there, uh, MNW Young Guns on Twitter is the place to be. Justin and his team over there with – constant videos and updates highlights of like pretty much any prospect anytime something happens they are him and pavel are on top of it so be sure to go give them a follow if you want uh, more of that prospect uh, content and of course our friends over the soda pot as well judd judd's buds with spoke z uh, always have been good updates there too so shout out to our friends who do our rankings episode uh with us as well some good places for your prospect content uh, but enough of the prospects. Let's get into the wild news. Obviously, the huge news since we last recorded a month ago, other than, you know, the wild might not have won a game since we last recorded up until last night. Like that, no, that losing no. streak might have, like, perfectly coincided with uh, when we did shows. So maybe that's, like, a, maybe that's a sign that we have to plan to do a show and then they win. Um, <laughs> Every night, they play. play. <laughs> <laughs> Seven straight losses for the Wild. I think it was, was it four in regulation, three in overtime, or three in regulation, four in overtime, whatever it was. And they lost seven straight, um, and we felt, you know, even kind of before that losing streak began, that, you know, just the way the team was playing, um, that Dean Evison's uh, seat might start getting warm, um, and it became burning hot and burnt out underneath him finally uh, yesterday when he was fired uh, by Bill Guerin, along with assistant coach Bob Woods, who we've been calling to be fired since, like, two years ago after the Blues playoff series. Um <laughs> So he is out as well. Uh, John Hines in, and then um, what's the other guy's name? Pat Patrick, Pat Patrick something. Dwyer, I think. Dwyer, yeah, that's what it is. See, that's teamwork right there. Uh, yeah. Patrick Dwyer, who was uh, the assistant coach down in Iowa, promoted up um, into Bob Woods' place. So we won't talk about the new guys yet. Let's let's just look back a little bit at the Dean Evison tenure. So I think you get, there, there's a lot of a, like mixed emotions now that it's kind of set in you know, for a day, because I think you, it's always, you know, it's hard to balance the, the coach with the person. Um, but you know, that this felt like, you know, I think even coming in the season, like, uh, hit, like his job can't be in danger. Tenet. And like, you look mm -hmm. at Ozmakers, I think he was like inside the top 10 of like potential on the hot seat. And it was like, oh, he's got the vote of confidence. He's got the dead cap. Um, and it like, it just didn't seem like, it thought maybe in the way back of your mind it was possible back in October when the season started, but it was like, nah, that can't happen. Just as the season has gone on, it just seemed kind of ine inevitable. Yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, that's obviously that's just the game. I mean, you could 
conceivably you could get all the way to the final or something. And if you lose six or seven to start your year, you know, you could be out of the job six months later. And obviously, you know, they didn't go that far here. But, you know, as he said, I mean, you know, we all know it said Wild's had two really good, actually three very good regular seasons uh, with, you know, Dean as the coach. And, uh, you know, we could still kind of remember him when he first got hired back way back in 2019. And, you know, it was all the drama with Paul Fenton about how, you know, he's the, you know, the replacement, uh, he's Fenton's guy. He's going to probably take, you know, Boudreau will probably be out after this year. And then maybe Paul Fenton will put him in. Obviously, you know, Paul Fenton got fired a month later and all that. And then, you know, unexpectedly in that COVID year, you know, they, Bill Guerin took the, uh, you know, the interim tag off the team. You know, obviously, you know, we've seen, we, we've heard this, you know, over the last couple of years. We saw in Russo's article today uh, on the athletic was really good, and a lot of other pieces. Just you know how much, you know, they grew to respect him, and uh, yeah, no, it uh, it definitely is, you know, surprising in a way, like you said. But that's just how it's how sports is, and especially hockey. You know, if you lose, if you lose a few games, regardless of if it's really the coach's fault, you're going to probably take the fall for it because. It's usually, you know, it's the only hammer that the GM really has, especially in this situation. Yeah, I was a little surprised that he got fired, but not surprised at the same time. I mean, <clears throat> I kind of thought he was going to be here through the Capel years and and kind of see how that went and, and, you know, have that extra $15 million, maybe see what, what can be done. But uh, you could also see the writing on the wall with how bad the PK was, you know, the seven-game slide, the, the couple first-round exits. Um, I mean, he made lineup adjustments, but it felt like the playoffs, he was out coached both years and just, they may have been better teams, but still it was just, we could kind of see the writing on the wall a little bit, but um, he did, I mean, overall pretty well here, had a couple hundred point seasons and, and did some good things for this team. I just, I just think, like you said, that's one of the only hammers the GM has when he's, you know, can't fire a whole team of players. (laughs) I mean, if, if you look at just the overall regular season numbers, I don't have the exact number, but I think it was something around like a sixty, like a point six four something win percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, in his two seasons here, you know, his two and a half, whatever, ended up being seasons here. Um, and that's as we talked. You know, with that dead cap, he was playing with, you know, um, I think as Russo put in his article today, basically you know, three or five three million dollar players or two seven and a half million dollar superstar players, basically. Yeah. And he was putting out, you know, top 10 teams in the league back-to-back years. You know, last year rides a little bit on, you know, arguably one of the best goaltending seasons in the analytical era from Philip Gustafson uh, when he was in there. Um, you know, but other, you know, other stuff that, you know, too, we, we saw a really tight defensive system under Edison for a while. You know, when mm-hmm. Fiala was here, we saw them, you know, it's unbelievable numbers at five on five and really high goal scoring rates where they outscored their problems. <laughs> like Cam Talbot had was like, Whatever it was like going to the All Star break, he was like sixteen four and one with like a two eight nine goals yeah. against and like a nine oh one save percentage. Like it was the most pedestrian like goals against and save percentage, but he lost like five games all year with how much the Wild scored. Um, and then you look back to with the playoffs, right? I mean, obviously we agree he was out coached. The penalty kill in both those playoffs absolutely brutal. But you look, I mean, just how many banged up injuries you lose Eck for you know, the majority of the series last mm-hmm. year against Dallas, still push it out to six games. Questionable goalie decision there. Yeah. Um, in game two with the flurry Gus um, debacle there. Um, but you know, what we've learned is that was maybe partially a Billy Guerin decision. 
Um, so is that something we can point the finger at for Edison? You know, maybe, but you know, he is one that had to kind of take the fall for that, right? Um, and then year before, I mean, you had, I think, Spurgeon hurt at one time, Hartman hurt at one time. Like, there was, you know, you had all these injuries, like players banged up. You know, in this one, he had Kaprizov, you know, who was two games back from what we, you know, is a pretty significant injury. I think it's that same injury that's still kind of nagging him um, into this year. Um, so, you know, he, he was dealt a shitty hand. Um, and he, he did make the most of it. Um, you know, as far as, like, my actual criticism, Zeke, as you just alluded to, just kind of, just, like, in addition to being outcoached during the playoffs, and I think we finally saw a change this year, and I think and when his job came on the line, he finally made some of these changes, but it was the unwillingness to me to make adjustments, whether that was in-game, whether it was to the lines, like, he became very married to, like, one thing and just kept running it back, running it back, running it back, running it back. And in previous years, that got really frustrating. Like, well, hey, that isn't working. Why are you still doing it? Mm. Why aren't you adjusting this line? Why haven't you adjusted your forecheck? Like, in-game, this line has been terrible in this matchup. Why do you keep putting them back out there? And I think this year, like, that would have been my big criticism, like, two months ago. And then I think this year really saw him. I mean, we saw him. He jumbled, he jumbled the lines all the time. Then we wondered how long it would take Marco Rossi with the lineup. And it took – it happened way faster. Mm-hmm. And obviously Rossi earned it, but you know we were like you know last year it seemed like every time Marco Rossi made a mistake it was like doghouse instant mm-hmm. right. Um, yep. You know we saw him rotate out like there were so many times in the previous years like oh John Merrill was terrible tonight and he's still back in the lineup and then this year you know we saw games where he was healthy scratch for Dakota Mervis and now with Alex Goligoski back he's been scratched again there so like some of those changes we've been kind of pining for finally seem to come to fruition a little bit. Um, this time around, you know, Kalen Addison was seeing decent ice time before he got traded this year as well. Uh, you know, I think more of necessity, given what they had back there. Uh, but that would be my, like that would be my other main kind of criticism of his tenure here was just like that inability to adapt seemingly at times um, when it seemed the obvious that it was time to adapt. Yeah, I mean that just goes back to you know how he, you know, seems pretty loyal to his guys and to, you know to his players in general, which obviously. So, you know, isn't a bad thing. You, you, know, you want, obviously, the team to like you. You want everyone to get along. But, you know, as you said, Brett, with guys like, you know, Freddie Goudreau getting the always the top six spot whenever someone was hurt, you know, even if he is a decent player, you know, obviously we all know that's not his role. Or, you know, and you mentioned those changes coming, you know, obviously this year when he's desperate. I mean, we also saw him starting to criticize guys a little more directly, you know, in the media too, which, you know, as, as we all know, he's never really wanted to do at all. He's tried to always stay far away from that, which, you know, obviously, you know, it's like I said, it's not, it's a good thing, you know, when you, when you have trust in your guy in your players and, and you're loyal to them and it, it's, and it's, you know, feeling is mutual, but obviously, you know, in pro sports, you have to be, there has to be a little bit of a, you said flexibility and, uh, and a little bit of tough love there occasionally when things aren't going too well uh, for the whole team. But, but yeah, no, uh, not, not any huge, Huge gripes, obviously. You know, like you said, with the with playoffs, that there was like mentioned all the injuries. That's a lot of times just luck. So, you know, who knows? You know, obviously, it's it's like you said, it was kind of surprising that you know we all kind of thought that he would at least make it through this year. You know, considering the dead cap and all that. But like you said, they've lost seven in a row. It was probably inevitable. But yeah, Noah. You know, overall, pretty good coach, and I think it's—I don't think he'll be uh, out of a job for too long if he wants it, uh, especially with how we know with the NHL and how they are with you know coaches and front office and all that. So. 
like it wouldn't surprise me if the next coach fired if he's on the short list. I mean, mm-hmm. two, two good like, coaches out there in Woodcroft and Edison who basically both fell victim to the same thing, like really shitty goaltending. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, that's the same old Tonga dance every year. I mean, shitty goaltending mm-hmm. leads to coaches being fired. It's, just, yeah. it's the fact of the matter. It's the way it is. But you know, as they say, you, you can't you can't fire the players, right? And, no. Especially, especially in the wild situation, they can't literally afford to do it. Yeah, like they so. can't even bench players, let alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they can't really trade any of them either because they can trade, no. like, I think it looked like, unless you're trading, like, I think it's like Kaprizov, Foley, Erickson Eck, Faber, and Rossi, I think are the only, like, five, like, five of the fours that don't have, like, some sort of, like, no move or no trade. Like, that's your mm-hmm. core. None of those guys are moving. And then, like, mm-hmm. your other options are, like, Duhame and Dewar, like, are the only ones, I think, that don't have trade protection. And, like, Maroon as like, a 20, as, like, a 16-team no move. On the blue line, I think Middleton is tradable. And then I think Merrill, both have no move, or have, don't have any clauses. And then um, I think Bogosian has, like, a 21-team no move or something. Like, even if they wanted to do something, like, there's not a whole lot they can do unless someone is like, yeah, I'm going to waive my no trade which, like, maybe that happens, but considering they were all just given, like, extensions and everything, like, I don't, like, I don't even know, like, what else they could do outside of, like, what just happened. Right. And, I mean, I might be going down a little bit of rabbit hole here, that's but... Um, yeah, yeah, that's we're exactly... Like, I mean, it, they've kind of did, did it to themselves with these contracts, and yeah. in the lap, lack of cap space, uh, it's kind of obvious things I'm pointing out, but I mean, maybe this isn't a bad year to be bad. Get you know, I'll never root to lose. But what would a Celebrini and Iserman or a Demidov do to this prospect group? Yeah. Like, I mean, have one or two bad years during this tough cap hell. I mean, this team's too good for that. Too good of players. But you know, if it is to happen, that that, that can only help the future. You got hella cap space coming in a couple of years. Just kind of get through these next two years and. Um, Tough that Dean had to take the fall for it, but you know, like we've said, it's the coaches that's going to go. But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't know, not much yeah. to add to that, but it's just yeah. and well, I, that goes. Through. And I think speaking to your point a little bit there, Justin is you know Bill Guerin's got nowhere to hide now, right? Like no. you just mentioned, like, and I think we we very briefly kind of talked about I think when we did our last show, kind of about those contracts and. You know, are they market value? Probably. Like, if those players hit the open market, that's probably what they get. But, you know, if it's true, I think there was some underlying or some kind of sneaky wording from Russo that, like, Marcus Foligno kind of wanted to come back here no matter what. So if you know that, it looks mm-hmm. like the Paul Fenton with Eric Stahl thing kind of all over again, right? Like, if you know that guy wants to come back, like, don't sign him. See how the year goes. If you're in a great spot, come trade deadline, extend him at that time. Right, but if right. not, if you're in the situation that they could potentially be in now, given how their season started, you say, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna ship you off to the Rangers. We're gonna get, you know, a second round pick for you back. You're gonna go for a playoff run, maybe win a cup, and then we'll uh, we'll see you back here this summer. We'll, you know, handshake under the under the table. We'll see you back here this summer. We get an asset. You get to go play for a cup. You come back next year. Everybody wins. Like I don't know, like if if that was the case, if these guys want to stay here, want to be here." How do you not have that conversation? Like, let's see how this goes. You know, if right. things go well, we're in a good spot. You produce, we'll bring you back. But to me, it was it was so premature to give out those contracts because now, I mean, you would have had three great assets in you know Hartman and Felino 
potentially Goudreau, and then Zuccarello on top. Zuccarello is the, the one I don't have an issue with because I think he's – Mm-hmm. Is he over a point a game right now? He might be. Yeah, he's 22 and 20, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, he's been great. Um, you know, you know, up and down, but, I mean, he's producing, right? He, you know, yeah. When the offense has sputtered, he's always been the one, you know, to kind of still pick up points even in the bad nights. So, like, he's the one, and that was the one from the start I didn't really have an issue with. It was a two-year deal. It was through the buyouts. It's through the Kaprizov contract. All makes sense. But the other three, I was just like, I just, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, now Billy Guerin, you know, he doesn't have his coach fall back on. He's the one that signed those contracts. He did the buyouts. You know, he's running the draft. He's, you know, he's got nowhere to hide. And, you know, we've been pretty big, you know, Guerin truthers on this show. And, you know, this year I think my, you know, my, my approval rating has dropped a little bit um, based on some of these moves. But, you know, again, like we've said, it's it's so hard to evaluate where this team is, what they could be until mm-hmm. we see what happens when they get through this buyout. But, you know, I think the other issue that I don't know if we talked about um, when we briefly recap the contracts is you, you run into the potential issue now of, like, you, you gave out these extensions that do kind of bleed into that post-dead cap era, and Brock Faber's going to make it a fuck ton of money. Um, Marco Rossi keeps this up. He's going to need a, you know, a fuck ton of money. Um, you're going to have, you know, potentially guys like Wallstedt and some of these other rookies that need money. Like, a lot of that cap is going to, like, it's there right now, but it's going to go to some players you have on your roster. And with all these no-movement no clauses and stuff, again, is now you're, you know, we, we talk about the potential of blocking future guys. But now it's, you know, do you have as much money as maybe you perceive that you do? You're going to have to give out these these big contracts to the players that you deserve big contracts. You should give out big contracts. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I agree. I just, you know, I guess I'm, you know, I guess I would say I'm a little have have had a little bit less of a problem with some of these contracts, and I assume maybe this is just you know maybe having you know too much faith in it. I assume that they do their jobs and project some of this stuff out so that they have a rough idea of where you know at least maybe if salary goes up, so you know I you know I could be wrong and they could be flying by the seat of their pants. I don't know that might be in two years. So I guess for now it's you know for yeah I'm just. It's 20 games of the season. I guess it's just a little early for me to, uh, you know. I think Flea, I'm with you. I think Flynn and Goudreau ones are the two glaring ones. I'm okay with the Hartman one too. You know, he's frustrating at times, but that one is only three years, so uh, and, he, and he's a decent player. He can goals. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's. I mean, I think it just goes back to we know that, you know, Craig uh, Leopold is, you know, he's not doesn't necessarily meddle in decisions. Is kind of what he says, but he obviously wants. You know, probably like any owner wants a good product on the ace. Like his, his one requirement is I want to be playoffs. Yeah. Whether you think that's right or wrong, that's that's probably the mandate. And, you know, obviously, you know, like you said, Brett, yes, it is. You know, it's on Garen now. But unless they crash and burn like two years in a row, you know, I think, you know, Garen is probably pretty safe, you know, but until we. Even, even that to your point, like I said, if they do crash and burn and they do land up, yeah well you know you know i uh, i don't trust as much as great that would be i have absolutely no faith we ever get that lucky batman would go something like you know some stupid contract rule from 12 years ago that he's decided is illegal now and then awarded to the Chicago Blackhawks for 
being great. But sorry, no. I, I, I get over that. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. That wouldn't be bad. That yeah. wouldn't be bad. Let's, you know, we, we, we tangent a little bit there from Evison to Garen, but I, I want to bring it back to kind of the other side of Evison. Not even so much the coaching side. I think just the the person side um, that Evison was because, I mean, one, he's, I mean, for a team that's had, you know, the likes of Jacques Lemaire and Bruce Boudreau, he might be the most entertaining coach in Wild history. I mean, you just, I mean, there was a, a, a great thread. I think it's, I don't even know how, how exactly to pronounce the, the username, but it's, uh, Soleil Dabs, I think it's like the the handle, um, had a really great um, Dean Evison like tribute thread of just all these pictures and videos and memes that like you constantly see in wild Twitter of like the Evison facial expressions or the punching Darby Hendrickson's or getting riled up and like he was a character. Um, I mean, he quoted himself in the in the Russo article, which if you haven't read that by the way, his sit down, um, unbelievable piece. I mean, very very candid. I'll, I'll pull a couple of quotes here, but he had one just talking about like. Yeah, I do that because I'm passionate, right? And I think that's the one thing you can appreciate about Edison is he was passionate. He, you know, he, he didn't sugarcoat stuff. Did you always agree with his decisions? Maybe not, but like he, he wore it on his sleeve no matter what. He didn't hide behind it. He stood by his decisions. And, um, you know, I think you can tell, I mean, that how hard the decision was. I mean, there's a little, there's a passage in Russo's story here. Um, and this is, it says, Edison walked into Garen's office, looked at his face as he sat behind his desk and knew right away, are you firing me, bud? He said, yeah, and he stood up, came around the desk, and we hugged, and he just started crying, he being uh, Garen, Everson said, and so did I. I said, Billy, I didn't expect it to happen, but I'm so grateful and so honored to have the opportunity, and I thanked him. Not bitter, do I still want to be coach of the Minnesota Wild? Yeah, of course, but I don't understand what he's doing. Do I agree with it? No, of course not, because I just no. lost my job, and Bob lost his job. We had a fantastic conversation. Like, I think the show – that level of maturity and, and you know, mm-hmm. when the when the GM, you know, has to tear up and the coach tears up, I mean, we talked a little bit the relationship those two had, you know, with Zeke as you mentioned, he you know, he came in a Fenton guy and he you know, he's leaving basically, you know, uh, he left a Garen guy essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I think you just look at things like that and the other um, little call out I had beyond that one, um, Brandon McCauley on Twitter, um, he's the Minnesota Wild senior uh, digital content producer um, tweeted this out yesterday or two days ago, sorry, Monday. Um, he said, after I came out um, to the LGBT community publicly in summer of 2021, Dean pulled me aside at our first morning skate, said he was proud of me and that if anyone messed around with me, that they'd have to answer to him. Um, and then talked about just how special that, that thing from Dean Iveson was. And like that stuff, well, you know, mm-hmm. we never even see until that moment. But um, yeah. and, you, and then if you, I'm not going to spoil it because you need to read it for yourself, but just the the exchange about how much Dean meant to Freddie Goudreau, who like we, we joke about it, we meme about it, but I mean you look at a coach, I mean you look at a guy like Freddie Goudreau, kind of this career AHLer, tweener, gets a coach and Dean Evison who believes in him, puts him in opportunities, and you know we Freddie's had some really good moments, you know whether yeah. he was mm-hmm. nearly a fifty point player one year, you know he's been you know an important part yeah. of this lineup, you know he, he's had the flexibility to move up and down the lineup, right. Um, but you could tell, I mean, he was shaken up by this firing, and he was like, basically said, you know, I'm, he was texting Dean's like, you're all right. It's like, Dean's like, yeah, I'm good. He's like, well, I'm not. Um, and you know, Dean encourages him, goes out and he scores his first goal of the season last night. I jokingly said on Twitter he did that one for Dean, but I was like, only half joking because you look at a guy like Freddie, who if a coach like Dean Evison never believes in him the way that Dean did, he might not have just gotten a five year extension or you know mm-hmm. have a career in the NHL. So, you know. Fair or not, whatever you think of that relationship, I mean, there's coaches everywhere who are going to inspire 
they're you know they inspire a player and build that relationship with their players like these aren't just robots right so i think you know you just you look at some of that stuff you know the human side of being evison i think is just as admirable as you know what what he did accomplish in his tenure here yeah and it you I mean all that you know like you said it not only helps him connect with the players and you know with the rest of the staff there but you know you mentioned too earlier about the you know the the wild celebrations and all that and the and the you know clearly how much he cared and all that really you know i mean Bruce mentioned the article really endears you to the fans as well because it's always you know obviously it's a business too and a lot a lot of some guys are you know when they score when they win a game it's just like oh hum you know uh just kind of go about just doing business but it's it is really cool as a fan to see you know guys on the ice behind the bench you know really care because you know it, it, obviously at the end of the day it is you know obviously you're playing you know you're playing a game you're coaching a game for you're coaching hockey you know it's your job and you know why not have you know have some fun and really appreciate you know the opportunity you know that you got and that you've been given as he as dean said in that article and it was always just really cool to uh you know to see how much like you said but just to see how much he cared and you know how you know how much fun he seemed to have every night so that uh, there's the cutaway to the bench last night after the wild one it's just john hines like shaking his head like oh, yeah <laughs> people are like oh the contrast <laughs> yeah like, people oh, like, like, was darby like reactively flinching i thought it was really cool i mean we you both have said it but if you haven't read the article do it i mean it's so cool to see an article like that especially so soon come out a lot of times coaches the, take some time the kind of one, i think was several months after yeah it was months but the level of maturity that he you know talked in the interview with and, and how well he talked about the situation and and the opportunity he got and just the fact that he wishes he was still there makes you kind of wish he was still there right. um i mean he he was a good coach but ultimately you know it was very much a you don't know what it's got till it's gone kind of situation. I yeah, right. Fans. It was like, see, we've been we've been real critical of this guy, but it's like, yeah. it doesn't mean we didn't like him. <laughs> I was reading that article, kind of like getting like depressed on yeah. a little bit, like we lost this guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean that that article Russo is beautiful. I mean, I think it sums up you know Everson really well. Um, I think you know the other side of this coin is the new hire, right? Um, you know, that's always the question as soon as the coach gets fired is, all right, who's next? Right, I think you know there is a handful of people, myself included. There were maybe, like, if that happens, like sort of crossing my fingers that Jay Woodcroft would be the guy. Looking what he did with that, you know, Edmonton offense, it's hard to say what you know what the guy could do with a good defense because he, he didn't have an Edmonton um, at all. Like they didn't, didn't even have it this year. No. Um, he would have probably been my personal choice. Um, you know, John Hines. I think it's a little bit slightly more difficult to talk to him about as negatively after the Wild went out and played arguably their you know, best game of the season last night. But, you know, when I heard that, I was kind of like, you know, it had been kicked around that, you know, he's probably the guy they interviewed him for an assistant coach position in the offseason. He's like, no, I'd, I'd rather wait for a, a head coaching opportunity. So, like, you know, he was already in the mix. And, you know, the relationship with Garen, there's, I think, an article on that, too, from Russo um, about, you know, they go back to time in their minors and I think even back to the, even the development, youth, um, development program. Um, so that there, there's a lot of familiarity there. So, obviously, like, it seemed inevitable, but I mean, this is a guy who's like, I mean, he's the most like Minnesota wild coach ever. Like, yep. He's, you know, he has a winning record in the regular season. Like, never won a first round playoff series. Like, Hey, yeah, this, this is our guy. Maybe yeah. um, we got him. Yeah, we got him. We got our guy. Um, did, I think did have some, a little bit more success in the AHL. I think he led 
couple AHL teams, I think, to like might have been like one Memorial Cup or like a conference final. Like has playoffs playoff success at the AHL level, which I don't think Edison had either. He I think he was even bad in Milwaukee. Yeah, he was in his yeah. playoff tenures. Like you have that, but like you just look at those two. I mean, he's fired from both Nashville and New Jersey. You know, had star power on those teams, um, but they were just kind of meh with that mushy middle, which is like yeah. Yeah, it is what we have. Um, with him, of course, I was like, oh well, okay. Um, and then I mean, like the other thing for me was just like I, I don't know, it was just, it was just like. There was no like search even like it was just yeah. yep this is our guy we got him it is what it is and I still don't think we've seen the term of it like I'd initially assumed it was like all right maybe it's like a it's the band aid it's a it's you know a, a two year to get through the buyout window and evaluate again but like reading between the lines like Garen said multi year and like part of me is like this might be more than this might be like a three four five yeah. year thing so I mean. It's. I mean, it's hard. Obviously, you know, if they, if he's, if they do okay the rest of this year, but they come out and lose eight to start next year, you know, obviously that'd be more. So, you don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like you said, he's pretty much been, you know, kind of average with the record this career. You know, I guess just from this standpoint, obviously, you know, like you said they did fairly good last night. But you know, obviously, he probably didn't have really much, much to do. He just kind of, even from his own words, just kind of let them, uh, let the team play and kind of. Which I think. I mean, that I was. That's what I expected last. I think you see that after well, yeah, he gets fired yeah. is you know, all these players, you know, the Wild maybe in a slightly different scenario because they, like you said, they can't get benched or scratched, but you know, mm-hmm. they get they get comfortable and then with the new coach, it's hey, I don't, you know, if you're Freddie Goudreau, all of a sudden like, hey, I don't, I don't have my coach's blessing, like I have to earn my ice time now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guys like a example, like hey, I'm maybe I'm not feeling the pressure from this guy as much, and you know, it's just kind of it's a little bit that that fresh start of like it's just a little yeah. bit of that weight off your shoulders you play. Not necessarily more loose, but you you just go out there and you, you just do it, right? You're not overthinking every play, every decision. And I think you saw that last night. It 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 very much looked like the wild team that we saw toward the end of last year that just went on a tear and mm. won games. And I mean, it was suffocating all night long. I mean, there were there were stretches of time where you know, I don't think St. Louis had shots on goal for five, six, right. seven minutes. Mm-hmm. That just relentless relentless forecheck and i will talk about something I'll, I'll let you guys get your opinions in times but some of the things i did like from what i saw last night um digging the numbers a little bit but initial reactions to Hines before we get into that yeah i mean it's i think it's you know pretty much same as you brett uh you know not necessarily too excited by you know name and what we kind of know that his teams have done but i think you know at this point, obviously, the team is what it is. You know, I don't think they're as bad. I don't think any of us think they're as bad as their record has been. So, you know, I guess it, it depends on the standpoint of, you know, what do you want? Do you want them to keep losing and, you know, lose out for a higher draft pick? Or do you want them to try to make a push for the playoffs? I mean, obviously, that's what Garen wants to do. That's what their goal is. So, you know, we'll see if they can uh, accomplish that. But, you know, obviously, uh, as Brett mentioned, since he's got the multi-year contract, He's probably going to be the coach here for at least two, three years. So I think, you know, for now, it's just kind of see, see what they can do. Yeah. So, yeah, just just for now, just, I don't know, see what they can do, see what he's uh, got up his sleeve. And uh, we'll just, whatever happens this year, kind of just whatever happens, really, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, when I first heard of it, I wasn't <clears throat> overly excited either. Just kind of going back, seeing what his teams have done uh, with New Jersey and Nashville. Never, never had a 100-point team. Uh, I guess that's not always an important thing, but uh, kind of shows how good your teams are. 
where you finish. Um, never gotten past the first round. Didn't move the needle at all, but then I, I'm also trying to keep an open mind to it. Like maybe, you know, he is only what 48 years old, still a young coach. Maybe he can learn from past experiences. Um, you know, maybe he falls into the right situation. Maybe he's the right coach for this team. You just kind of never know. Just, uh, just trying to keep an open mind to it and see how things go. I, I I'm always going to root for them to win. I didn't expect a whole lot with the two biggest cap hell years. I'm kind of more looking forward. Mm from that but uh it'll be interesting to see what he can do you know with this job i will say uh, i'm not going to dig into it um because there's a lot of numbers that go along with that and i want to talk numbers forever um, but shana goldman had a really good piece as well in the athletic kind of diving into kind of what statistically his teams in new jersey and nashville did and basically how like what he's good at coaching is like the things the wild already kind of do well mm -hmm. It's like, you know, will it maybe improve those areas? Maybe a little bit, but like the areas where they need the boost, he historically hasn't provided a boost or has performed like below league average in those areas. So when it comes to like four checking, penalty kill, those types of things. Um, positive sides uh, behind Simon first, I think, you know, like I said, he has a relationship with Garen, obviously great young coach. Um, one thing I liked, we heard a lot, um, and a good, good friend of the pod, uh, Minnesota Wild Talk, pointed this out in our group chat last night. Um, I was at the game, so I didn't get a chance to listen to the to the post game press conference. But apparently, he talked a lot about speed, pace, playing fast. Um, maybe a little bit of change of that pace of the the playing hard, playing physical kind of mindset Everson had. And I think you saw that a lot last night of a team that was playing a lot of speed yeah. through the middle. Um, that four checked hard, but was seemingly playing a lot of speed. So that that was the one thing. You know, one thing I kind of liked there. Um, back to his time in New Jersey, I believe it was under his coaching that Taylor Hall had his MVP season. Um, so, like, it's not like he doesn't know how to coach star players and he's coached guys like Roman Yossi. Like, it's not like star players have had bad tenures under his direction either. So, I mean, you have that form of optimism. That, you know, maybe it's not a, maybe not a positive, but it's not a negative. Like, he hasn't ruined star players. Um, there is some criticism, I think, was how he's handled young player development. Um, Illy Tolvin, and I think, is one of the, the big names in Nashville where he never really figured it out, went to mm -hmm. Seattle, carved out a role. But I think... You know, had this happened last year, maybe there's a little more, like, pause. But, I mean, with how well that Rossi and Faber have played, I'm not really worried about a new coach putting yeah. that into the grave. Um, but the one thing I did really like, and I've tweeted a lot about this because it's something I've been watched. I watched closely, um, noticed a lot in the in the Colorado game, and then wanted to watch last night. But it was the way um, that he deployed his forward lines and defensive pairing. Um, Everson a lot, he's done his whole time here, has oftentimes put his third pairing, no matter who that's been, with the scoring line all the time to mm -hmm. shelter their minutes, putting the, the responsibility on the forwards to play in the zone and, and prevent the goals that way. What we saw last night was a lot of Kirill Kaprizov with Brock Faber and Jonas Brodin. Um, <clears throat> tweeted this out um, last night. So coming into last night, um, Kaprizov averaged 543 of time on ice at five on five per game with Brock Faber and five minutes and 32 seconds with Jonas Brodeen. Last night, he played 10 minutes and 36 seconds with Faber, 10 minutes and 46 seconds with Brodeen. Um, with those three on the ice, the Wild had a 76.8% expected goal share. Um, don't think they scored, um, but basically, like, when those three were on the ice, that top line with the top defensive pairing, the puck, like, pretty much never left the offensive zone. Um, and I think, to me, that was something, like, 
you know, and this this happened the Colorado game because I looked in the numbers. It was pretty much every time McKinnon was out there, McCarr and Taze were out there, and we felt you felt as a Wild fan, it's like, gosh, it seems like they're you know that line's all over us every shift. It's like, yeah, because they got their they got their five best players on the ice, and so to, whether or not that sticks, if that's just a hey, just you know we're we're running things. I don't know if Heinz was the one deploying the D, deploying the forwards. If it was, you know, Darby was handing the D or whatever it was, but. I'm hoping that I see that we see that trend continue because clearly it worked, um, you know. And I think the, the fourth line with even playing with the third pair um, looked okay. Um, you know, third pair was obviously the one that gave up the goal on a, on kind of a bad play by Zach Bogosian, but um, it was a lot of ice time for the top four guys, and it, it worked. The formula that worked. So if that continues, I'm really excited because I think that's something we haven't seen in the other scenarios stacking that that top line with that top deep pair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I never noticed that, but that that is definitely interesting to find out. They basically doubled their their minutes yeah. that pairing. Uh, it was evident last night how good they were. It it was fun to watch, but no, that that's and I, I didn't realize you tracked that. I guess I'm not, uh, that's that'll be interesting to see going forward for sure. Yeah. I don't have much to add to that, but that's just kind of an interesting stat. <laughs> had another point of that, now I just kind of lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. I don't think it was any major details. So oh, gotcha. I think, too, it's, you know, you look at, they're able to, like, work a high cycle. They can involve those guys in the play. Yeah. Know, Great high cycles, like I think it just it opens up opportunities. You know, maybe it doesn't maybe make you vulnerable in another line, another area. Maybe, but if that line is spending seventy five percent of their time in the offensive zone a game, they're probably going to score. Yeah, probably scoring one goal a game at least. Yeah, we've we've seen Faber his like his ability to jump up in the play and and add to that. I knew that like he had. Like a little bit of offensive ability, but like he's made a lot of those plays. I was like, I didn't know he had that. Like that yeah. moves his ceiling so much higher for me it than it already was. Like he was yeah. a floor player for me. And I'm like, and there might be a, like a legit ceiling there. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's hard to you know draw a ton of conclusions, um, you know, from one game and from what he's done with previous teams. I don't think. Is there, I don't think there's a single player on this roster or in the minors that has been coached by him. I could be wrong on that, but like I don't think there's any existing relationships that I can think of. I don't think there are any former Devils. You're talking about Hein? Yeah. I think Danny coached uh, Johansson in New Jersey. Maybe. So that would maybe be the one. Yeah. Which, hey, if you can get him going, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Because uh, he has not been off uh, to a great start. Um, no. <laughs> it is kind of cool that, you know, his – Second game will be back in Nashville tomorrow. Oh yeah, um, could be today at the time of this. You know when you're listening to this, but um, you know, interesting to see how that how that goes. You know, a little bit of the, the revenge game right off the bat. So maybe they'll do a tribute video for him. Is it at the Wild or Nashville? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's in Nashville. Okay. <laughs> yeah, liked what I saw last night. Um, yeah, no, for sure. And I don't know if there's there's much else to say about the games before this. I mean, we, we joked before we jumped on the recording. It was like, um, describe like I'm gonna describe the game. And you tell me what game it was. 
Um, they outplayed their team at 5-on-5. Five five. The penalty kill sucked. Uh, the goalies didn't make a save, and they couldn't finish on their chances, and they lost. What game might I describe? They could be like any of the last Three basically one. seven. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it was pretty much for like a month there. It was Rossi Faber, and then everything else was bad. Yeah. Like same thing, but yeah. But they had maybe, a lot. Yeah, of, he's been good too. But. They had a lot of games where I was at my kids' hockey or at work, and I was like kind of watching the score, and like mm-hmm. I was like, I want to be watching this game. And then I'd be like, Oh, they're losing again, and I'd be like <laughs> the Twitter post, like they're basically playing the same way. I'm like. I'm not missing anything. I I don't like missing games, whether they win or lose. But maybe this is not a bad time to be missing a bunch. <laughs> I mean, like I'm, I'm at the game last night. I think Zeke, you were there too. And it's like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're like, all right, fresh start. It's gonna be a new team. And like 16 seconds in, there's a penalty box. You're like, ah, oh. <laughs> like here we go. And they kill. Yeah, and you're like, all right, like all right, we gotta kill. And then like they have this four on two. It's like, oh, it's, and it's like it's like Kaprizov, <laughs> Zuccarello, Eck, and Spurgeon on like a four on two. Like, oh guaranteed goal and it's like yep yeah, pass pass and they're like and like oh bad pass burned didn't shoot and i'm like i'm like pull my phone in my pocket about to rage tweet and then spurgeon like comes on the net and feeds that and they scored i'm like oh thank god <laughs> and it was like oh man like, oh, converted yeah yeah um I mean, yeah best quick. their best yeah yeah go ahead Zeke. no i just said that and their uh, the, the double minor there in the third is, yeah. you know your whole, best your sure. of the year but you know they, they they got some puck luck last. Obviously, Gus played really well. I think yep, it was a one point four five goal save above expected last night, which I think was his um, highest since the season opener. Um, same thing. St. Louis hit like two or three posts, like in the you know past games. Maybe they don't get that oh, yeah, luck. Yeah. And you know, Dean Evanson's probably at home punching air. Like God, if I just got a little bit more of that puck luck, right? But I mean, that's <laughs> hockey, right? I mean, it's just yeah. the way it goes. But um, you know, Zeke just kind of mentioned kind of the, the two bright spots have been. Uh, Rossi and Faber. Just a couple little uh, Calder campaign uh, TM tweets uh, for me for uh, the Rossi and the Marco Rossi and Brock Faber agendas. Uh, last 14 games. So I don't know like exactly where that coincides with his promotion to top line. I think it's right in that like the last like 10 to 14 ish range. Um, at um, five on five, so it's 194 minutes and 41 seconds. So mind you, like the Wild lost like I think it was something like 10 of these 14 games or. Whatever it was, um, at five on five, the Wild were outscoring opponents ten to four with Rossi on the ice, fifty-seven percent expected goal share, and fifty-two point four percent of the shot attempts with Rossi on the ice. Like just absolute rock star. Um, on the season, his five-five uh, xG share of fifty-two point four percent, fourth best among rookie forwards who've played at least two hundred and fifty minutes, only behind Tyson Forster in Philly, uh, Matthew Poitra, Poitras, I don't know how to say his name in Boston, and then Ty Cartier in Seattle. And then Faber, uh, his season-long 5v5 XG share of 56.2% is second best among rookie defensemen who play at least 300 5-on-5 minutes, only behind Luke Hughes. And then um, there's a stat, so if you adjust, it's called um, like expected goals relative or relative expected goals. Basically, it's how much better you are, how much better you're driving play compared to the rest of your team. And you weigh that to basically take theirs minus the team average. Um, and favors is something like eight and a half percent above like the team average, which leads all rookies and might be. I, I, I guess he even look like in the NHL. I think that's way up there. I mean, he's been, him and Brodine have been unbelievable. They've had a little bit of bad luck with goaltending. Like if you look at their like raw goals for goals against penalty kill, different story. But like at five on five, I mean they've been as dominant as dominant can be. And like man, like 
there was light to be shown in a very dim start of the season of how well they played. Yeah, no, for sure. <clears throat> I mean, well, not just, you know, the analytical numbers, but the eye test has yeah. been incredible, too. Like, yep. they, those two have been maybe the two funnest players to watch on this team. It, it's, you know, it, it, it's incredible to see guys that, you know, were prospects and, and you're like, man, we want these guys to make such a big impact. And then they come in and Rossi on the top line or been playing with Caprice five at times and, and favors with Brody. And it's just like, this is what we were wanting. Like, this is incredible to see. This is exactly what we want. So long season left there. Was it 20, 21 games in 20 games or 20, 21? A like quarter of the way in. I think it's 20. So 20 games in, which means there's still 62 games left. Anything can mm-hmm. happen in that time. I mean, we just saw him win. My dad on top of us last night. I don't have the exact stat, but I would argue that it's likely the Wild probably opened up with one of the hardest schedules probably in the league. I mean, you look at the teams they played, New York Rangers twice, Toronto Maple Leafs twice, um, Dallas once, Colorado once. I think it's the only two divisional games they've played. They've only, you know, the bad teams they play is you know, Montreal and Edmonton. They haven't played a Chicago and Arizona, a San Jose, and Anaheim, a Seattle. I don't even know who, you know who else is at the bottom of the East, but they haven't played a lot of like bad teams or even like middle of the road teams. They play no. a lot of like Devils twice. They're you know they're off to a good start. Like a lot of like they've had a tough schedule. And honestly, not an excuse. I mean, good teams would win more of those games, obviously, but like. I think there's optimism. I think you know. I think last night in my post game dump, I mentioned this too. Um, the last five games at five on five, their expected goal share, starting from last night, going back to Toronto at five on five, sixty one point two percent, seventy four and a half percent, fifty six point six percent, sixty three point one percent. Like they've been, they've been controlling the play at five on five. The penalty kill seemingly has maybe turned a little bit of a corner. Power play can you know maybe get going a little bit more. They just had the one opportunity I think last night um, was all. And they had some really good looks on it, just missed on a couple oh, yeah. chances. So, I mean, you start in Gus in his last I think five starts, um, four starts, two point two goals save above expected, one point nine eight goals against, nine twenty one save percentage, eight fifty seven high danger save percentage. Like numbers a lot closer to what we saw out of him last year. Like a lot of things are seemingly getting better. Like, to me, there's a lot underlying, like, pretty much the only thing they haven't done in these last five, six games is finish. And last night, mm-hmm. we finally saw them put three in the net. So, you know, if all that in you know, that positive regression starts catching up, I, I do think this is a team that will start winning games. I don't think they're as bad as their record suggests. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they have a, a league average penalty kill and get back to league average goaltending, I think this team is going to start to go on a little bit of a yeah. And I think a lot of it is, you know, confidence too. I mean, we've seen the, you know, just over that streak, you know, every time the other team, you know, they'd score and you can immediately tell just the looks on the faces, all the guys just, you know, I mean, that's obviously when you're losing, it feels like impossible to even win one game. So hopefully now that they've done that, they can, uh, you know, start that, you know, and obviously you don't have to win 15 in a row, but start winning two out of every three uh, or stuff like that to just make up some of that ground that they've kind of lost here. Yeah, and like we always say, it's season. There's a lot of ebbs and flows, and maybe this was just the the biggest ebb to start the season ever. And usually, this is like a mid February slump. We just did yeah, it. right. He got out of the way in November this year. Right. <laughs> so I'm gonna hold on to the optimism. We'll see how it goes tomorrow um, against San, uh, not San Jose, Nashville. against Nashville. 
and I think they are in action again on Saturday. We're done with like these five day breaks in between games. Thank God. Yeah, thank God. Um, yeah, Nashville tomorrow, and then uh, Chicago. Yeah. Chicago at home on Sunday, and then a little trip through the Pacific Division for a while. Yeah. Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton, Seattle, Calgary, Vancouver. Um, so Vancouver has been really good this year too. Yeah, so that'll yeah. be interesting. Brock Besser leading the NHL in goals. Goals. Awesome. Love it. Yep. Good. Like, like legitimately so happy for him. Like, oh yeah. yeah. Couldn't happen to a better guy. So, all right. I think we've, uh, I think we've ranted enough. It's late. Uh, this was supposed to start eight fifteen, and it's ten oh five. We started at nine. <laughs> so we got there eventually. The podcast is right on time. But, um, an hour of technical difficulties and an hour of recording. I've ordered a new cord for my mic, so that will be here hopefully for the next show. Hopefully that won't be an issue. Um, again, so again, apologies for the absolute dog shit audio quality that you probably had, but hopefully the information is still there, and that's what counts. Um, so yeah. If my quality's bad, it's just because it's me. I have no <laughs> excuse. <laughs> if it's if Justin is bad, just don't say anything. So. Just yeah, or just let me know, and I'll uh, I'll know that it, you know being honest with me at least. <laughs> All right. So, uh, any uh, any final thoughts here on the prospects, on Edison, on Hines, on the outlook here going forward? Any of that kind of stuff here before we wrap up? No, I mean just keep an open mind, and uh, either way, there's a silver lining. I mean, play well, make the playoffs, play bad, get a, a lottery pick. I mean, just enjoy it. I mean, it, it's been a tough start, but it's a long season, and and our team is still playing. I mean, just enjoy hockey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bad hockey. Yeah, no, uh, I kind of echo what you say, Justin. You know, just, uh, you know, hopefully, like we talked about with that game last night, hopefully, uh, you know, they can start to, you know, get a little bit on a run because, you know, even though you know, it wasn't necessarily the most high-scoring game last night, but it was, you know, a lot of fun just to see, you know, most everybody have a full, complete game for the first time all this year. So, you know, hopefully that, uh, hopefully that gives them a confidence boost and they can kind of turn it around here sometimes all it takes is that you know that one i mean you look at I mean, two goals last night both boldy and goudreau i mean guys mm-hmm. are you know goudreau had a goal all year boldy, boldy has had one like that weight you know comes off your shoulders and it's okay now i'm not gripping my stick as tight i don't i don't feel mm-hmm. like i gotta you know do everything i can to score and boldy had a couple other really good looks he i think he had the best look on the power play yeah he, did, he, yeah. he had one i think i remember he kind of deked inside went to the back end and probably missed the far post on it by couple inches and I, and I think even lately he's had lots of chances that just haven't been manifested that one last night wore my boldly jersey the game picked him for Minnesota Wild first and it manifested his goal didn't happen first but it happened it was Minnesota Wild third yeah. last night so, so I think even little things like that can't better say you get those monkeys off the back and I think Kaprizov's looked much much better yeah. oh, the last yeah. six seven games like basically I think since Sweden that first game in Sweden I think he's looked mm-hmm. Especially last night, I mean, he had, I mean, well, Zeke, I mean, the roof was about to blow off that place when he went, like, between the legs. Oh, he did, yeah. He, like, yeah. like deked it, like, around the defender and then tried to go, like, between his legs. And, yep. of course, freaking Bennington had to make the save on it. But yeah. we haven't he seen was, then, there was, like, place, there was a sequence behind the net where he, like, escaped from a defenseman, like, four times. And we saw, you know, that, that edge yeah. work kind of comes back. Like, a lot of the things that, like, didn't Can't seem like were there. Way. So, that's yeah. my final thought is I think there's – you're seeing some monkeys come off the back and hopefully mm-hmm. some good things to come. So. Totally. All right, good stuff. Well, let's wrap up. Justin, why don't you remind everyone where they can find you and all your work? Uh, you can find me at DEs2004. You can find me at Caprice FC with the Caprice of Countdown. 
You can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. Zeke. Yeah, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Zeke Wyatt with a capital Z or a capital B. If you want to connect with me at all, chat wild, hockey, etc., that's where you'll be able to find me. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92, bringing you all the player cards, the PCS, and the stat dumps after every wild game most of the time. Uh, but yeah, uh, we had a couple people that shut us out, Twitter, Instagram, uh, for making it into your uh, top five podcasts on Spotify Wrapped for 2023. Um, so for those of you that typed us in that, thank you so much. Appreciate just, you know, wild to think about those people out there who you know, spend a lot of their time on their podcast listening life listening to three dudes in their bedrooms talk about the bedrooms. Wild, so. <laughs> pretty cool pretty cool so we, we do appreciate the support thank you for my furnace room okay furnace room bedroom living room <laughs> in our house so you know no fancy studio obviously no fancy equipment as evidenced by our, our show tonight but we do really appreciate this support it, it means it means a lot i mean we don't have a show without without listeners so thanks for taking us huh? in that thanks for uh, making us a part of your Minnesota Wild uh, fandom. We do really appreciate it. Uh, but that'll do it for us tonight. Um, hopefully a show in December sometime before Christmas. That's our, you know, our goal is probably right now one a month, one more a month here and then uh, maybe, you know, back to two a month or so, maybe around the calendar after the holidays. We'll, we'll do our best. I um, appreciate you tuning in and until next time, this has been another episode of Sound the Fire.